0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you that people are alive in you in Pueblo West. Thank you that people are alive in you in Albania. Thank you that people are alive in you that went to camp in Texas and from Texas. Thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Thank you for rolling the stone away, coming forth on the third day, and now you intercede for us, and we are so thankful. Father, thank you that we get to praise you through these testimonies, through the exposure to Albania and the work of God there. Now do your good work in our lives as we just add to that in our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Well, it's been a great morning already, hasn't it? Well, I hope it continues now. (laughs) So, wow. Thank you, Edith, for being here and sharing with us. Thank you, Tina, and the students who went to camp, and God's good work in your life. May again, may that continue. I'm just so thankful for the people that were there for me as a, a student growing up and uh, bringing honor to the Lord. And at camp, all those years that I went to camp, up near Deckers, and man, so think how many of you grew up going to camp. Yeah, a lot of you missed it. I'm sorry you did. I mean, it is just an incredible, and incredible week, and. You know, you get to do high ropes course. So next year, some of you'll be signing up. I can see that right now. You're into that for that adventure that's there. So thank you for that. Um, all right. Well, let's get ready here. Um, we got our happy guy. I think he's back here. There he is. <laughs> Man, he just keeps showing up because he's really excited. Because last week, brothers, you came through. Whoops, wrong one. Here you go. That's the wrong card. This one right here. You came through. You filled those out. Now, I know it wasn't a trip to Hawaii. Maybe we can do that next year. Maybe something like that, huh? I'll talk to the finance team about that. And uh, But you came through. 68 of you filled that card out. Like I said, you've got a habit now. Keep it going. Take the time to do that because we want to pray for you. It was a joy. There were about 88 cards turned in, 68 of them from the men, the ladies you did a good job turning them into, But... Take the time to do that. We want to pray for you. So Mr. Happy Guy, our little guy, man, he's excited. I forgot to mention this earlier, too, because I always forget things. We have a youth group, well, not a youth group. We have a missions group from Neosho, um, Missouri that's here today. Got in last night about 1030. And they'll be serving... uh, our Lake Avenue mission that we're working on in the Lake Avenue Bessemer area. They'll be serving there, helping some other churches while they're here. So they'll be joining us at Sunday school and in the second service. So if you see some, they've got on bright blue shirts and uh, they've done a great job. Brad Vickery's the pastor. He he came a couple years ago when he was in a church in Forgan, Oklahoma, the panhandle of Oklahoma. Now is in Neosho's pastor. And so uh, we want to pray for them too as we'll do that in the second service. We're grateful that they are come to serve us the Royal Gorge Association help our Lake Avenue Church get started, mission get going again. So uh, you see them around, they'll be in some of your Sunday school classes. Welcome them, say hi to them, love on them, thank them for coming to work in our association to, to make the kingdom go forward so many people can say amen to the Lord Jesus Christ. So excited about that, and little guy, guys, brothers, thank you for doing that, appreciate it. Last week, I do appreciate how you stayed with me in the Sermon on Death and Grief in the first few verses of Ruth. I know that in the moment, um, it was difficult and it was hard, but I do believe in the months to come, it will be beneficial to you as you think about, as we think about what Jesus Christ has done for us and the help that He provides for us in the difficult times in life that are about us many times. One of the commentaries I read this week had this question in it, and it said this, Have you ever felt that God is against you because your world seems to be crumbling around you? Have you ever felt that God is against you because your world around you seems to be crumbling? Just this week, I received a text from a friend who's five years cancer-free, but now has two daughters in their 30s who have cancer issues. And with his permission, I share his words. At the end of that text, he said that we can't seem to catch a break. Some of you might feel that way even this morning. You felt that way last week. The world seems to be crumbling around you. It's difficult, and... You're thinking, I, God, I, I, I don't know. I'd... I could go on as a pastor in my many years and I could name a number of other people who were like my friend who texted me that this week. Life is hard and it seems like the world's kind of crumbling around them. In our study of Ruth. We're looking at it and you're reading through the book of Ruth each week. We see a lady who I think is probably maybe at that point. When she says in verse 13, It is exceedingly, she says, It is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And she says, going down further in chapter 1, She said to them, Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. But call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me?
1: Her world
0: seems to have crumbled all around her, and she certainly could be asking that question about, God, I I just don't understand. I don't understand what's... Going on here. She leaves Bethlehem because of famine, and she gets to Moab to get food, and in Moab she loses her husband and she loses her two sons to death. How difficult, how difficult that must be. And as one author reminds us, she's now a childless widow, too old to remarry, and in her culture is both worthless and and vulnerable. Her world is crumbled around her. So, what do we do when the Lord has allowed death or illness or other life-changing issues to intersect with your life? How do you deal with the sting of death and the grief and the decisions that surround you in the tough seasons of, of life? If you're not already well in the book of Ruth, reach below you. Grab a Bible. It's about, you know, 20% through the Bible right there after the book of Judges. Maybe you have it on your phone, your tablet, but pull it up. And it reminds you of the challenge that I've given to you to, to read Ruth through the week. To take the time to do that, the 15 minutes to read it. How many of you did that this week? That's more than last week. We're off to a good start. Keep it up. Keep it up. Take the time to do that, to saturate yourself in this book, to to see the goodness of God, to see grief that is part of life, to see the the grace that he exhibits and the, the guidance that he gives to Ruth and Naomi and to Boaz and the characters that are here. Take the time to do that in the midst of the other things that you do. I know you'll find it beneficial and helpful to you. So we'll read today, Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 6 through 18. Then Naomi arose with her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. Lord, grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. And Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Don't urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, stay, I will lodge or stay. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. As I said last week, death leaves us with decisions that are hard to make, but they have to be made. And here in this situation, Naomi has this decision about would I go back to Bethlehem, do I go back to Judah, or do I stay in Moab? She makes her decision, as hard as it could be, maybe as easy it was for her, but she makes her decision to go back to Bethlehem, to go back to the west and to go to Judah, for the land of where she grew up. But there are other decisions that are tied to her decision to go back to Bethlehem that maybe we didn't think about. Another decision she has to make, does she take Orpah and Ruth with her? She has to think through that. She knows this is what I need to do, this is where I'm being led, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. But she also has to say, I now have these daughters-in-law, daughters-in-love, who are part of my life, they don't have their husbands, and I have to decide how is my relationship with them, will they go with me or not? She has to make that decision about whether she's going to invite them to go and to go back to Bethlehem with them. See, so she's going back to a new life and even kind of a, a new normal as she goes back to Bethlehem. She's been away for a number of years, at least 10 years she's been away from her homeland. Do you ever think about this? Orpah and Ruth had to make a decision about whether they were going with her too. And well, are we going to go, are we going to leave our homeland? And are we going to go with her back to Bethlehem? We'll be foreigners there, because they're from Moab, and that's Judah, an Israel area, Bethlehem. We'll be foreigners. They have to make a decision whether they're going to go back with her too. And they obviously, as they're getting going on this journey, they make the decision that they're going to go back with her. But they're going to leave their family and their friends, the people they know, their homeland, the customs they know, to go to a new land, a foreign land, a place that they don't know at all. And that's not an easy decision to make. You see, when grief comes our way through death or illness or loss, however it comes about, there are decisions that we have that are hard to make, but they must be made. Just Thursday, I got a text from Faith Gateway good organization. Sends out daily you know, articles and from books and magazines to, to read and to saturate your mind in, in God's work. And, and this is what I read on Thursday. It said this. Where do you need God's help right now? It's a good question, isn't it? Where do you need God's help right now? It went on to say this. Whatever your situation is, Whatever your situation is, it has not taken God by surprise. Whatever your situation is, the help that you need from God right now, whatever it is, it does not take God by surprise. It didn't take God by surprise with what happened to, to Naomi. In her move to Moab, it didn't take God in any way in surprise. He wasn't surprised by it. And wherever you need help today, know that God is not surprised. And He wants to move into your life. And He wants you to grab on to Him and move toward Him. Ask the Father for wisdom. For him to help you, as we said in James chapter 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives all men generously without reproach. And it will be given to him. What is that thing? What is that situation you're in the midst of right now? Ask him for his help. And go to him for the decisions that need to be made. Well, in the midst of all that, those decisions that Naomi has to make, she also makes this decision that she's going to take them with her. That she's going to take her daughters in love, Orpah and Ruth, she's going to take them with her back to Bethlehem. She gives them kind of a first request. It almost seems like a command. She kind of talks into them and says this, Hey, no, 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 don't go with me. Don't go with me. You go back to your mother's home in Moab. You go back to your to your homeland. Go back where you belong, is what she's saying, if I could make my own translation. We don't know how far or how long they've been journeying back to Bethlehem, because it says they arose from the they arose in verse six to return from the country of Moab, all right? So they're on their way, and in the midst of that, she says to them, Okay, you guys go back. Don't know how long they've been traveling? We don't know why suddenly she makes this request. Why didn't she make this request before she got started? We don't know. This is a narrative. It doesn't cover every detail of the story. We would need a bigger book to be able to cover all those details. But she suddenly asks this question. You know, Maybe, maybe she feels guilty for taking them from their homeland and from her family. Maybe as she's traveling along, these thoughts start coming to her and she starts to say, oh, this isn't really a good idea. They're leaving their family. I'm going back to what I have, which is not a lot, but I'm at least going back to what I know. They don't need to go. Maybe she has, that goes through her mind or, or maybe she realizes this, that it's going to be hard for them to obtain husbands in Bethlehem because they are from Moab and they're foreigners to the people of Israel. She talks about them wanting to get husbands here, And maybe she recognizes that, that it's going to be really hard to get husbands over here. If they go back here, there's a possibility for them to marry and have children and to see their legacy go forward. We don't know why all of a sudden she does this, but she asks those questions in her first request. But in her request in verse 8, she she gives a blessing in that. When she says, go back, turn back, go back to your family, she gives a blessing to them in verse 8. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. In words, she gives this blessing to them. You are to go back. You should go back. But I want to bless you in doing that. May the Lord show you kindness, just as you've shown kindness to me and to my family. She also, in verse 9, gives a second part of that blessing. The Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. May you find peace in that house. You've had travail, traumas taking place in your life. As you would go back to the house of your husband, she's speaking, could be speaking about the husbands they had, Melon and Chilion. She could be maybe even forelooking, looking forward to, you're going to have new husbands as you go back. But she says to them, as you go back, may you have peace. May you, the Lord, may the Lord treat you kindly just as you've treated me. And may you have peace as you go back. To your homeland. What do they say in verse 10? And they said to her, Orpah and Ruth, daughters of love, said, No, we will return with you to your people. They voiced their commitment. We're going with you to your land. We're willing to make a change in family, we're willing to make a change in community, we're willing to make a change in spirituality. Because their gods and more of, are different than the gods in Judah. The God in Judah, I should say. Their gods are different than the God in Judah, the Holy One, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Himself. Well, we read in verse 11 that Naomi, she's undeterred. And once again, with stronger words, she tells them to return back to their land and their families. As she uses these rhetorical questions, these questions she's bringing up to their mind. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? If I could put it in my words, let me tell the reasons why you shouldn't go with me. (laughs) Try to help them understand and place things before them. So the decision they make is made with the right reasons. As she goes on, as she said, have I yet sons in my womb that they may become Your husbands, kind of her first thing. Right now, I'm not pregnant, in my words. I'm not pregnant. There are no sons in my womb for you, so turn back. She goes on and says in verse 12, Turn back. She likes that word. Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? If I had a husband and and I was pregnant right now, and these sons were going to come up, are you going to wait 15, 20 years for them without marrying, without finding somebody else? The answer is, no, you're not going to do that. So turn back. She goes on. I'm bitter. And it would be better for you to go back home where you could remarry and have a family. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? In verse 13, no. My daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. I've lost hope, she says. I don't have a husband. I'm not going to have a husband. I'm not going to get pregnant again. There are not going to be sons that you would wait around for. So it's best for you to go back and to find another man and to marry, have your sons, and have a family, and be able to have your legacy in your homeland. She's saying that my world has crumbled around me. And I'm grieving big time. I think she's kind of saying this. Do you really want to be around me? In this state? And who I am right now, who I feel I am, that God has departed from me in some way, and you want to really be around me? I'm just asking you to ask that question and make sure you know the answer to that question before you'd make that decision. She says, the hand of the Lord has gone against me. In verse 13. We know that the hand of the Lord, when she says that, she's speaking, what, of His favor, of His blessing, of His kindness extended to her. But I say this His hand of favor is upon those who keep hold of His hand. His hand of favor is upon those who choose to keep hold of His hand. She's forgotten one thing that, that you can experience the blessing of God even when your world is crumbling around you. My last point last week. In the midst of grief, in the midst of death, the, the grief that comes from death, you can grow. You can grow. It's a possibility if that's what you choose to do as you go through grief. Not easy, not saying that. Hard, yes, but you can grow. And you know as you look and as you've been through death, you've been through grief, and you look back now. And you see, you see the steps you've taken, how you've grown, and how the Lord has used you to help other people grow through their loss and through their difficult times. It's significant. God's goodness, His grace, still extends with us even when our world is crumbling, even when things are difficult and they're hard. His hand of favor can still be with you. Just keep holding on his hand. Well, in verse 14, we see Orpah and Ruth's grief. It's shown by their weeping. They've experienced great loss, and they recognize another round of grief will hit them if they decide to leave one another. And Orpah does make the decision, as it says in verse 15. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, a sign of love, but also a sign of goodbye But Ruth clung to her. And then she leaves. It's not in the text, but she leaves because of what Naomi says in verse 15. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. If you're counting, that's the third time. She's given this strong admonition, this strong kind of command. Go back. Turn back. Go back to your family. That's the third time she said that. She's emphasized it because now Orpah is going back toward her family in Moab. But what does Ruth do? Ruth says, man, I'm clinging to you. I'm hanging on to you. I'm going with you. I'm going to accompany you and I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to Bethlehem with you. Now, think about this. All of the grief that they've been through, think about Naomi and Ruth's grief as they see Orpah go back. They've been a part of each other's life for at least 10 years. And now Orpa makes the decision, I'm going back to my homeland and to my family. And you can imagine their grief as they know, that's probably it. That's the last time we'll ever see her. That she's made her choice to go back to her family. There's lots of grief that goes through this that we have to work through. Well we see that Ruth decides to go with Naomi to Bethlehem, even though Naomi's going, Turn back, turn back, go back, there's your sister, go follow her. And Ruth says, Nope, that's not what I'm gonna do. Naomi is saying, Go after her, return, turn. Naomi's by inference is saying this, if you go with me, if you go with me, you are now gonna have a new family, you're gonna have a new country. And you're going to have a new God. Because what does she say? Go back to your gods. Go back to your family, she says to them. Go back to what you know. And by inference, she's saying to to Ruth, you come with me. Now, there's going to be a new God in your life. There's going to be a new family in your life. There's going to be a new community in your life. You will have a fully new life. Way different than what you've experienced over there in Moab. She's saying... Choose carefully. Choose carefully because things are going to be way different over here. Well, Ruth refuses her direction and gives her final answer. And I think in verse 16, she kind of gives her a little bit of a gentle rebuke when Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to turn from following you. (laughs) I mean, three times is enough. I'm going with you. I'm clinging to you. And then she used those words that we've sung earlier this morning. I will go where you go. I will stay where you stay. I will serve your gods. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. I will stick with you so long that if you die, this is where I'm going to die. And this is where I will be buried. I am with you. She declares her commitment. And she says this. I'm all in. I'm all in. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And I will stay with you until death would separate us because I am all in with you. We're going to see that commitment all the way through the rest of this book. I started our sermon this morning with that question: Have you ever felt that God was against you because your world seems to be crumbling around you? Again, I remind you, Naomi feels that way. At least, as I read it, in verse thirteen, verse twenty. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Don't call me Mar- now. Call me Mara. I'm bitter because the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me, man. I mean, she's just being honest, right? Real life, real struggles. Real feelings. You can be honest with God. It's all right to be honest with God, but I would say this make sure you do it with humility. You can tell God how you feel. You know why? Because He already knows your unexpressed thoughts, He already knows your unexpressed words. You can say them, but He's going to go, You already knew that. I know how you're feeling. I know this is difficult. I know this is hard. You don't need to tell me. I know those things because I know your heart. And you can share those things with him. I just say it's always good to do it in humility, with reverence, and with the fear of the Lord. So, what do you do when the world seems to be crumbling around you? Let me even broaden it out. What do you do even when the world around you seems to be building and there are good times? The three things I'm going to tell you work at any time. The first is this. Move toward the Lord. Whatever your situation is right now, the crumbling around you, the building that's taken place, the good things that are happening, always be moving toward the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 6. Then she arose, Naomi arose with her daughter-in-law, to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that what? The Lord had visited His people and given them food. The Lord had visited His people and given them food. There's been famine, but now the rains come again, and it provides the crops again, and out of the crops comes the food again in Bethlehem, the house of bread, which Bethlehem means the house of bread. God has visited, and I remind you of this. God is always on the move. God is always on the move. You might not be able to see Him, but He is always on the move. We just have to know where He's working. Anybody ever gone to Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby? Got about 15 of you or so. Man, it's a great study. It's a life-changing study, but one of His principles is this. See where God is working and then join Him. See where God is working and then join Him. That's what Ruth and Naomi do. They they knew that principle before Henry Blackaby wrote it about 40 years ago. They saw where God was working. They saw that He had visited His people. A new way of sharing His favor, His hand of blessing upon them. And they saw that and heard about it and said, we're going that direction. We're going toward God. See where God is working and then join Him in His work. In the worst of times, will you move toward the Lord? In the best of times, will you move toward the Lord? Because you're either moving toward Him, or you're moving away from Him. There isn't middle ground. Whether moving toward Him or moving against Him and moving away from Him. You've heard this question, if the Lord seems far away, who moved? If the Lord seems far away, who moved? we. He doesn't change, and He's eagerly waiting for us to move toward Him. How do you do that? Well, then voice your intention. Voice your commitment, like Ruth does. I'll go. I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my people. I will be with you till I die. Tell Him that. That's how you move toward Him. God, I will follow you you. I'm moving toward you. The second thought that came to me, and you know you look at a passage, you could have a number of different applications, but the second thought that came toward me is, move toward the Lord with His family. Capital H-I-S. His family. Move toward the Lord with His family. In your marriage and with your kids, helping them, strengthening them as you move toward the Lord, encouraging them to move toward the Lord also. Can I give you again a a challenge to pick up this card to pray for your kiddos and your grandkids and your friends and your neighbors and yourself as you pray these 31 biblical virtues for your kids or for anybody as a part of your family. Today you prayed for 26, willingness and ability to work. Teach my children, Lord, to value work and to work it with all their heart as working for the Lord and not for men, from Colossians chapter 3. They're in the track rack back there by the coat room. Pick that up, pray for your kiddos as I did this morning, my my grandkids. Praying for them, being specific to help them. God, would you help them to move toward the Lord? If they would see their work and do it heartily unto the Lord, that would be a movement toward Him. Move toward the Lord with your majestic family. How are you encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ here to move toward the Lord? What are you going to do today when this sermon gets over, the first five minutes afterwards? What are you going to do to be able to say, we're moving toward the Lord together because we're better together? Think about it. God's telling you right now, something you need to do as you go to Sunday school class. Maybe that would be what you need to do. You need to join us in Sunday school. You need to get part of a group. And you need to work together with them so that we can accomplish His purposes. So we have this movement toward the Lord. And the Lord has the opportunity to share it out of our lives into other people's lives. Move toward the Lord with His family. They will help you grow and mature. And you'll be cared for. And you'll also have the opportunity to care for them and be a part of their lives. You see, you... You help others move toward the Lord by being a servant like Ruth. As I look at verses 15 and 16, man, that's all I see right there is a servant. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll follow you. I will will stay where you stay. I will be, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And I will stay with you unless death would separate it. That's a servant. And Naomi's probably going, man, I don't deserve this. I'm bitter. I feel like I've lost hope. And here's this daughter in love who's caring for me and being a servant to me, saying, I'll go with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you in your journey with the Lord. I came across this statement by a man named David Cook. He's a psychologist, a sports psychologist, written a great book um, called uh, Utopia, a wonderful book. But he says this, when you give, you live. When you take, you ache. Those who give are marked with a noble heart. When you give, you live. In the midst of how you feel your world is crumbling around you, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving because it will take your mind off your things and it will be a part of blessing for somebody else. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But the more we give, we keep our hands open and we give with what we have left to give, God is going to use that in a powerful way in your life and he's going to help you work through those things that feel like your world is crumbling. Hard, but it works. Move toward the Lord with his family. And lastly is this, moving toward the Lord requires commitment. It requires what Ruth did. In saying, I'll go. I'm all in. You can count on me. We're going together. And you are going to have to keep making that commitment as I'm going to have to keep making that just daily to say, Lord, I will follow you. I will seek you, and I'm going to seek you with my family, this family that you've brought together, brothers and sisters in Christ. The Sunday school class, your small group, all in, be all in there. Some of you, we need you to go and get in. It's really that important. It's that valuable. Take advantage of it. Love on those people who are around you and care for them share together with him. I think some of you also need to consider the call to ministry, what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to use you. I've shared with you over the past few weeks and months, we've been talking about the Acts 13 program with our Royal Gorge Baptist Association, for men and women to, to teach you, to grow you in your discipleship skills. Maybe God out of that would call you to be a pastor or a missionary and to be a part of what God wants to do. But he might just want you to go through that and get some good theology and get some good training so that you could do a better job of discipling people so you could give to them, right, so that you really live and be a part of their lives. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to be a part of Eda's team, Eden and Osgon's team. There's nothing biblical about this, but I think everybody, every Christian should have at least one missionary they support that they give to That they pray for. So that they could see the gospel go forward. Here's a great chance to be a part of their lives. To see what God can do in Albania through our help as we hold the rope with them. I want to encourage you to that. I want to encourage you to think, could I support them and be a part of their team in a monthly support through prayer and also finances. That's going together. That's moving toward the Lord with his family. And growing, and that's a commitment that you have to make. Can you say, I will follow with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's what the Lord wants us to say. I will follow you. With my heart, with my soul, with my mind, and with my strength. Pastor J.D. Greer made this statement a few years back. He says, you'll never drift into spiritual maturity. It takes daily, focused effort. To become what no one else is becoming, you have to do what no one else is doing. And that's the commitment that I think comes out of this passage. Will we, will you, will we follow the Lord with everything we got? Will we love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Ruth made that choice in a relationship to Naomi. But out of this passage comes our opportunity. God, I'm all in. I will follow you no matter what. Even when my world seems to be crumbling, even when my world is building, I will follow you. Father, that's an incredible commitment that Ruth makes. I can imagine how encouraging that was to Naomi, that even in the midst of her world that was falling apart, and her hurt and her pain and her grief, to have one who loves her say, I'm with you. Father, I know you want us to say that to you Help us to do that. But also to one another. I'm all in with you. As the body of Christ, I'm all in. I'll care for you like I would like to be cared for, and maybe how I've been cared for in the past. Knit us together. Bring us together in a powerful way. Father, maybe somebody here today isn't all in with you because they've never started a relationship with you. Father, today help them to start that relationship by just saying, Lord, I I want to be a part of your family. I need forgiveness. I'm an orphan, as we sang earlier in one of the songs. I'm an orphan now. I want to be a part of your family. I'm a prisoner to my sin, and I want to be running free. I pray this day would be that day that they'd say to you, Jesus, come and be my savior. Come into my life. You're big enough, as Aiden said, you're big enough to create the world, but you're small enough to be in my heart. God, would you just keep poking through? Let people see you in me. God, I pray those students would follow you with everything they got. The Camp High would continue throughout this year for them. I pray for Eden, Osgon, and their family that you'd bless their ministry and encourage them and strengthen them and we can be a significant part of the gospel going out in Albania. And someday when we get to heaven, somebody will speak those words that say thank you and we'll understand them in Your language, the heavenly language that we'll all know. But we'll know, we'll look at them and say, we were a part of helping them come to Jesus. Thank you for this church. It has such a heart to see the gospel go throughout the world. The life-changing good news of Jesus Christ. It's happening with the walkers down here in the prisons, right here in our own area. Happening all over the world with the missionaries we get to support. Call some of us to do that work, Father. To go to make disciples of all nations. Because we said, I'm all in. I will follow you. Thank you for being with us today. Being so kind. Helping us through our difficult times. In Jesus' name.